Good morning. Welcome to Winners Win Live. Uh, I guess you could say we're approaching holiday season. And so right now you're going to probably run into more people than you ever have uh, any other time of the year. And so I just wanted to get a moment with you to kind of share some concepts about recruiting and building that I think may help you as you move forward. You know, we are in exciting times right now. The company's recruiting is uh, beginning to e explode. We've got some of the greatest incentives we've ever had with uh, our blitz on promotions and our blitz to your dream trip to Punta Cana. All of these different things are going on simultaneously to finish off the year strong and really be able to do some big, big things. So I wanted to try to help as much as I possibly can. So I'm going to jump right in it because I don't want it to be long, but I want it to be um, productive. What I'm going to talk to you about is recruiting. And, and I think it's important to understand the philosophy behind something before you actually can grasp how to do it and get good at doing it. And, and you know, so the philosophy behind recruiting is this. You got to understand that there's a difference, first of all, between prospecting and recruiting. It's a two-part process. And so many people try to rush this and merge it into one that it, it, it really makes it difficult because the people you're talking to have no experience most of the time uh, with home-based business or network marketing or, or you know whatever name you call it. Uh, it's their first introduction to it. And so there needs to be a process that allows them to digest and swallow uh, what you're proposing because this is not typically how people succeed. You know, you, you go to school and, and then they convince you to go to college and then they tell you to pick a major. What do you want to be? And then you start trying to decide what it is you want to do as a career. And, and then you graduate and then you go on interviews and you create, first you create this resume and uh, which was almost impossible to create from college because you didn't do anything but study, but you put your little part-time jobs and some of your interests in there. And, and then you get out there and go on interviews until somebody hires you to work. And then that's when you find out whether what you pick is what you actually like or enjoy. Most people don't even end up working doing what they picked in college. And then you slowly come to accept that you're probably not going to achieve all of those goals and dreams that you had early on in life. And that what you're going to do is work 40 hours a week for a paycheck. And if, and if you're smart, you start to become good at juggling your finances so you can stay alive and stay afloat. And all of a sudden, somebody shows up offering riches and dreams and wealth. Guys, that's a little hard to digest at first. Everything in you is screaming scam. I can't afford to get ripped off. I can't afford to be misled. I can't afford to be heartbroken. And you got to help people get through that. And so it's a two-part process. Prospecting is the first part of the process. That is a process of creating enough interest in someone for them to take a look at the presentation, to come to the meeting, get on the Zoom, 
that's all you're initially trying to do is just get someone to look. So don't start selling all the benefits of joining and talking too much and giving too much information because you've now begun the recruiting process and they haven't even agreed to look. So you say, Chris, how do you get people to look without saying too much? You've heard me say this on the last winner's one. If it's in your warm market, people you know and that know you, you ask for help. If it's not, you ask who do they know? They'd be interested in making a couple of thousand dollars a month part-time from home. Now you could add variations to that, but basically pick your two, how you're gonna ask for help and how you're gonna help get them to take a look at it if, you don't, if they don't know you. Recruiting is the process of closing someone on doing, listen to me now, not joining our business, doing our business. There's a difference. All of you had somebody give you money and then do nothing. So joining doesn't guarantee they're going to do it. Recruiting is the process of getting them to do it. So prospecting, I want them to take a look at it. After they take a look at it, I want them to become a junior executive for $79. That's joining, still not finished recruiting because I don't need them to join. I need them to do the business. How long is the recruiting process? Typically five to 10 hours. When will I know they're recruited? When they decide to upgrade, pick a package so they can do the business. That's the key. So how long does it take for someone to go from joining to recruiting? However long it takes to get them to go from junior executive to picking a package. Typically between five and 10 hours. What do I do in those five or 10 hours? You expose them to the system. They become a junior executive. They watch the empowerment training. After the empowerment training, they have a, a, a go orientation with you. After the go orientation with you, they uh, set up their go meeting and begin to watch their Empower Me 365 training so they can get the additional two points towards their first $500 bonus. And then they watch the, the Empower Me 365 training and then you have their go meeting where you share with their family and friends the business that they've started and, how, and that they need their support in however, whatever way possible. All of that should take at least the first five hours. At which point then they should be ready to pick a package and run and do this business. Prospecting is a mindset, God. It's a mentality. It's what we get paid to do. See, the more people you get to take a look at, the more people that are going to 
join, and the more people that are joined, the more people are going to be recruited. The more people that are recruited, the more money you make. The person who recruits the most people will ultimately make the most money, long range. That's just a fact. So first of all, I got to put more people in the system, which means I got to get more people to look at it. And then the more people that look at it, a percentage of them are going to join. Listen to me, guys. The percentage that joins becomes a junior executive is really based on the presentation in your clothes. It's not. It's not based on any rocket science. The percentage that goes from joining to being recruited, it's going to be based on the system and how you help them go through the system. So it doesn't matter what you say because words are only 7% of communication. So stop bombarding people with a bunch of words. Stop trying to make sure you tell them about everything because that's, that's not how people process and make a decision. Only 7% is communication. Only 7% is words. The rest is, is your tone. It, it's your physicality. It's, how, it's whether you come off as somebody who believes what they're saying, whether you're excited. People move more on your energy and enthusiasm than they do on your words. Most of the time, if you're very wordy and trying to convince, usually people think that means you're lying. <laughs> Prospecting has got to become a habit. You have got to always be putting new people into your system. Always. Because as, as you've heard me say so many times, attrition is natural. People are going to quit. Not only are people going to make a conscious decision to quit, some people are, are going to die against their will they're going to quit. And if your objective is to build a huge business, you've got to always be putting new people in your system. You've got to always be prospecting. Everywhere you go, everybody you meet, everyone you talk to, you've got to be prospecting. And if your life doesn't naturally put you around people, then you've got to make a system that gets you around people so that you're prospecting. The way to prospect is simple. Your objective is to create interest with everyone you talk to. Now, here's some categories of what helps you create interest. Friendship and family. How do you get them? You ask for help. Do me a favor. Come see what I'm doing and see if you see the same potential in it that I do. Do me a favor. Take a look at my new business and see if there's any product or service I have that would help you in any way so you could support me getting started in my new business. Do me a favor. 
I need people to take a look at this presentation and tell me what you think. I'm working on my next promotion. Would you help me? Do me a favor. I've always respected your opinion. I'd like you to take a look at something and let me know what you think. Will you help me? Curiosity is another way that people take a look at something. So you may want to figure out some way to pique someone's curiosity. If you know someone loves to travel, you might say, hey, if I could show you a way that you could travel for pennies on a dollar, would you be interested in finding out more? Curiosity. If I could show you a way to make some extra income and earn value points that travel could possibly be free, would that be something you'd be interested in finding out more about? Need. Who do you know? They'd be interested in making an extra thousand, fifteen hundred dollars a month part time. Who do you know? They actually in making an extra thousand to two thousand dollars a month part time from home. Who do you know? Be actually to make an extra two to five thousand dollars a month part time from home. Need whatever need you think they have. Say a number that'll fix their need. For most people, that number is somewhere between uh, $1,000 $1,500 a month. You would double some people's income, which gets to my next point, greed. If I could show you an opportunity to double your income without taking any risk, would you be interested? See, guys, there's not a lot of risk in what we do. To get started is less than the price of a cell phone. You got to earn your money here. So there's really, really no risk. So appeal to the greed. I can show you an opportunity to double your income. See, that's for those people you meet that are absolute go-getters, you know, two, three jobs, just like always looking for opportunity, always trying to get into something. Greed might be their motivation. So when you really get good in the beginning, if you're new, hey, look, ask for help in your warm market and ask who do you know to fulfill the need out there. When you get really good at this, add something for curiosity and greed. And now you've got all the weapons you need to be a prospecting machine to get people to at least look at the presentation. Then you got to learn one more thing. You got to learn how to overcome objections. Because see, an objection is only a question in someone's mind that hasn't been answered yet. People are going to have questions if they're interested. See, some of you get frustrated when people ask questions. I actually enjoy, uh, questions mean they're interested. If I can answer their questions and overcome their objections, then they'll get started. When people don't ask you anything, more than likely, they're not going to do anything. They're just trying to quietly get away. 
So you've got to be ready for when people ask questions. Now, how do I help you if you're new in the beginning? You got to become a master at setting up a three-way call after the presentation. So you can use your upline, your mentor, to overcome the objections and answer their questions. And as you listen to them do that, you'll get good at it because you'll say, I remember that question. Here's how Chris answered it. I remember that question. Here's how Chris answered it. And then you do what you heard that works. Because the bottom line is you got to always be closing. Every conversation you get into must be results oriented. What are you trying to achieve? Are you trying to prospect them, which means get them to agree to look at a presentation, either by getting on the Tuesday or Thursday uh, money and marketing uh, Zoom, also the Saturday uh, newly coming money and marketing Zoom? Are you trying to get them to get on another Zoom that may be taking place with one of the directors? Are you trying to just send them a video of the presentation that you want them to watch and then you'll follow up and call them back? What is your objective in every conversation you're having? If they've already took a look at the presentation, then your objective is to get them to commit to become a junior executive. $79 is your objective. Not to get them to, to be recruited where they make the decision to do the business and pick a package. Right now, you need to get them to decide to go forward as a junior executive. Now, if you're talking to a junior executive, what are you trying to do? You're trying to get them to complete the five to 10 hours so that they truly understand and believe what they've gotten involved with enough to pick a package and run like crazy. Now, whichever stage you're in, what are you trying to achieve is what every conversation you have has to be focused on. Now, you got to prioritize your prospecting. This is important, guys, because so many of you are spending so much energy that you're getting frustrated and worn out. But are you using that energy in the right place? So let's prioritize our prospecting. Who are we looking to prospect? And let's go from the easiest to the hardest. The first place you want to spend most of your time prospecting is in a warm market. That's anybody you know or that knows you. Chris, I've used my warm market. Really? So you mean anyone who heard your name and would recognize it you've already talked to? See, I'm not just talking about your friends and your family. I'm talking about anyone you've come across that would still remember your name. You know how many people in high school would still remember my name? You know how many people in college would still remember my name? I'm still not done with my warm market. And I've been in this industry over 30 something years. And there's still people who would know my name that I've not recruited into any. I just have to sit down and make a list and then figure out where they may be 
or when I'm on Facebook, they pop up all the time. I've probably got out of the 5,000 Facebook friends I have, a couple of hundred of them are from college and, 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 uh, and high school, and I have not attempted to recruit them because I haven't been in a recruiting scenario. The next place you want to focus your energy is in a new associates Walmart. When you get people involved, help them build their Walmart. Guys, this is this is this is shooting fish in a barrel. I mean, this these are their family and friends. Showed them how to ask their family and friends for help. And then you be there to help them overcome the objections, meaning answer the questions that they may have to get started. So most of your time should be either in your warm market or in somebody else's warm market. Where's the third place you should focus your energy? On referrals from the people that don't get started in your warm market or a new associate's warm market. Who do you know that might be interested? A lot of times they're gonna say me, but sometimes they're gonna give you somebody else's name and number of who they know. You gotta write that down and how do I get in touch with them? And do you mind if I use your name? So I can call them up and say, hey, you don't know me, but you know Diane. When I asked Diane who's the most money-motivated person that she knew, she said you. Is that true? When I asked Diane who likes to help people more than anybody else she knows, she said you. Is that true? Referrals. So guys, I'm in a warm market new associate referrals. If you master those things, you'll never, ever have time to go into coal or any other method. But let's say you do. The next place I would be is in third-party centers of influence. Now, here's the mistake we make with third-party centers of influence. We try to recruit them. But you got to realize most people that are a huge center of influence are already doing what they dreamed of doing. So many people come to me and go, I want to get the pastor. Most pastors are doing what they want to do. Now, there are some churches where the pastor still works outside of being a pastor. That might be a pastor you can get because they still earn money other ways. And when they can earn money helping people in alignment with, with what they do, which is helping people, they tend to like that. But a lot of times, especially those of you who are going after the mega pastor, that is what they've always dreamed of doing. And that does provide for their family. And it's tough. Why not go for them as a third-party center of influence? Some of you want to get the doctor. Most doctors are doing what they dreamed of doing, and they went to school for 10 years to do. 
why not make them a third party center of influence? Now you go, well, Chris, what's a third party center of influence? Someone that sees the value of sending people to you that needs help. See, I don't need my pastor to join. I need my pastor to when somebody comes to him or her, sick and tired of being sick and tired, needing help, needing a career opportunity, that my pastor says, ah, I have someone you need to meet and introduces them to me. See, I just need my pastor to keep me on their mind. As a person, somebody needs to meet that needs help in their career or finances. I need my doctor to keep me in their mind when they run into somebody that needs help in their career or their finances. I need my dentist. I need, I need the, the, my, my children's teacher. I need, these are all people that may be big centers of influence, but may not be able to do another business. But they could send you a ton of people. But if you put so much emphasis on recruiting them, then showing them the power of being an angel on your shoulder, you may miss that opportunity. So after referrals, I would contact all my third parties, centers of influence. Who are the most influential people in the community? See, when I was growing up, the guy that owned the arcade where all of us went to play and hang out, like he was big in the community. Like he helped all the kids and he made sure we stayed out of trouble and he was a center of influence. So he knew all the parents. He was a, he was a member. I remember I was a young boy and I looked up to him and he was a member of Omega Psi Phi fraternity. He was one of the reasons I joined Omega Psi Phi fraternity when I got to college because my influencers, the guy that owned the arcade, the principal of my high school were Omega men. And I saw that symbol and I said, these are great men and must have something to do with the same symbol they both have. And then when I decided to go to school, my, my principal said, you go to college and do two things, get a degree and become an Omega man. And I said, you got it, I'm going. And I went and I did centers of influence throughout your community can be angels on your shoulder and send you people forever. Because they're the people that everyone confides in when they need help. Okay, so now where else would I spend my time next? If See, assuming I, I have no more Walmart market, I have no new recruits, this is where some of you are right now, it's just you. I have nobody giving me referrals. I have no centers of influence. What do I do, Chris? What do I do? Your friendship farm. What is friendship farming? It's find people who like what you like. For instance, if you're a nurse, join every nursing association and group there is. Every one of them is full of nurses. 
Well, why would I do that? Because you have something in common, which means you speak the same language. Also means you have the same issues, same complaints, same money problems, nine out of 10 times. So you have a common ground, a commonality that allows you to become friends faster. And that's just in your career. So if you're a firefighter, then join every firefighter association. Not just the associations, but even the groups online. Some of you, Chris, I don't go very online. I bet I could find a thousand groups about nursing that I could join. I bet I could find a couple of hundred police officers associations or Facebook groups. I bet I bet I could find firefighter Facebook groups. Hey, that's just career stuff. What about sports? I bet I could find a, a, a hundred Pittsburgh Steelers fan Facebook groups, which I've been my whole life. So I, we got something in common. We could talk about all the way back to the teams in the seventies and all the way up to the team right now. That common bond creates friendship faster. You ever go to a sports bar to watch your team play and all of a sudden the room divides up into those who are going for one team and those that are going for another team. And before you know it, you're jumping up, you're screaming, you're high-fiving a total stranger and you're buying each other drinks. When you walked in, you didn't know them at all. But because you're rooting for the same team, you quickly become friends. See, friendship from whatever. If you like tennis, look for all the tennis associations and tennis groups. See, some of you just do the obvious, which is I'm going to jump in every travel group. And then there's a ton of you in every travel group. But travel is universal. Some people who have something in common with it and some you won't. Be more specific in friendship from. What do you like to do? Whatever it is. If you like crocheting, I bet you can find a group on Facebook that crochets. <laughs> There's millions of people online in millions of groups. I would be trying to meet people in groups that I know I can have a conversation with. And they would understand me and I would understand them. I wouldn't join a nursing group because when nurses start to talk about what nursing entails, I wouldn't know what they're talking about. And as soon as I opened my mouth, they'd realize I don't know what they're talking about. And so then they would start to wonder, why am I in their group? And then as soon as I try to prospect one of them, they'll go, that's why you're just in here to try to get us. And then they won't be receptive to me. So don't join groups that you don't have something in common with, that you can't have a conversation and understand each other immediately. See, my mom was a nurse. I know a few terms that always makes nurses light up. When I talk about being uh, an LPN or a registered nurse, when I talk about working double shifts or private duty, when I talk about the things my mom did, nurses light right up because they are doing the same thing or have done or at some point in career they've done. 
but that's as far as I can go. Now, my mom would be able to go even deeper into what her duties, responsibilities, what she likes, what she didn't mind. Working for an agency as opposed to working as an employee in the hospital, all those different variations of things that nurses discuss. So I wouldn't join that group because I could, I wouldn't join the police officers association. I know nothing about being a police officer. When they begin to talk about issues of policing, they would immediately know I'm obviously not one of them. See, when you join groups that you are not part of the friendship farm, then they realize you must have ulterior motives. And even if you don't and you're really trying to help people, you'll get put in that category and you'll become ineffective. So friendship farm, focus on things you like. And most of us have multiple likes, so that should open up quite a few groups that we can meet people in and build many friendships and relationships that lead to prospecting and recruiting. Don't go in like a bull in a china shop trying to recruit everybody. Oh, Chris, I don't have time, I gotta, yes you do. It only takes two to three conversations for someone to move from total stranger to associate and potentially a friend. Just two or three conversations. Now, if I'm done with my warm market, I've got no new associates, I've got no referrals, I've got no centers of influence helping me, I've got no likes or interests that, that I can effectively friendship farm. What do I do? That's when you're in the cold market. What is the cold market? Anybody that comes within three feet of me, I'm going to say, who do you know that might be interested in making an extra $1,500 a month part-time from home? Now, do I just say that to a person walking by? No. Have a conversation first. I say, hi, nice day. Do you come here often? Whatever small talk that it might be. But at some point, I'm going to say, you seem like a sharp person. Maybe you can help me out. My company's expanding in the area, looking for people to be interested in making a extra $1,500 a month part-time from home. Who do you know that might be interested in that? At some point, I'm gonna say, by the way, maybe you can help me out. My company's expanding in the air. Who do you know that might be interested in making an extra two to $3,000 a month part-time from home? At some point, I'm going to say, who do you know? Now, how much small talk before that you have is based on your scenario and how friendly they are and how much talking you do. But at some point before that conversation is over, you got to be thinking, I got to always be closing to my next objective. I need someone to take a look at the business. I'm prospecting. So at some point, no matter how great the conversation is going and laughing and enjoying each other's company, you got to say, by the way, maybe you could help me out. You seem like a really sharp person. 
And that's why I'm asking this. My company's expanding in the area, looking for people interested in making an extra two to 3,000 miles a month, part-time from home. You know anybody be interested in that? Oh, your cousin, great. What's your cousin's name? And, and do you mind it if I contact your cousin? Great, how would I contact? And, and do you mind if I use your name? Okay, great. Or they're gonna say me. And you go, great, here's my name and number. How can I contact you? I'll give you a call in the next 24 to 48 hours to share some more information on what it's all about. Is that fair enough? And you move on, you become a daggum machine in the coal market. If you got to do it online, take these things onto online. I just had someone inbox me and say, we've been friends for a long time on Facebook. But I think we've only met once. I'm in the Houston area, let's do lunch. And I don't know who this person is, but then of course I do what I typically do, click their profile and I see that they're in a network marketing company. So I already now know lunch is really going to be them trying to recruit me. But then they message me again and go, just lunch, no pitch, no recruiting. Now I know they still ultimately aren't, aren't they're not meeting with me because they just want to have lunch. <laughs> Somewhere along the way, it's gonna switch over to what we do. But the bottom line is they had the courage to go through their list and pick people that they think were interesting and 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 invite us me to meet them. They did that out of nowhere. They're prospecting. But he didn't say anything about his business, didn't say anything about what he does, didn't say anything about any products, didn't say anything about anything except would love to have lunch. I'm local, you're local, let's have lunch. No pitch. That's That's prospecting. So whether you're out meeting people, which I know that we're still in a pandemic, but every time I leave my house, it seems like there's people everywhere. So people are still out meeting people or whether you're online. If you master the skill, cold market prospecting, you can meet people and turn them into prospects and then recruit. So remember, guys, in your warm market, technique's not the most important thing. It's help me. Help me. Do me a favor. Help me. I respect your opinion. Help me. I'm going for my next promotion. I need your help. Now, when you're dealing with people outside of your warm market, now your technique is important. What you say is important. How you say it is important.
what is the absolute best way to recruit someone? Meaning after you've prospected them and they've taken a look at the presentation, what is the best way to get them to understand the business? Tell your story because people can relate to stories. You know, I say all the time, the Bible could have been a really short book. It could have started off by telling you whose word it is. And then it could have told you all the stuff you need to do. Just made a list. And then it could have just made a list of all the stuff you better not do. And then the last page could have been, and here's what's going to happen if you don't listen. But instead, it's a book, a thick of stories, so you can relate to why you should do this and not that. And what happened to those who did this and not that? And what happened to those who did that instead of this? so that you digest and relate to what's in. See, storytelling is the most effective tool of bringing you to a point of understanding and belief. So now, what are the pieces of telling your story? Here they are. This is where I was. See, before I joined network marketing, I was a broke college student struggling to make it, I had gotten so desperate that I stopped eating meat altogether and pretended to tell people I was a vegetarian so they wouldn't tease me because I couldn't afford to eat most of the time. Then a dorm director saw my situation saw that I was out every day trying to find part-time jobs while in college and said, I have a way you can make money part-time. Be dressed sharp on Tuesday night. I'm going to pick you up, take you with me somewhere. And that's when I went down with the dorm director to a meeting to see a company. See, I'm telling my story of how I joined. What's your story of how you joined Surge? I went to that meeting and they showed me how I could make $100,000 a year building an organization, but how I could start making $500 in three hours. I was so excited that I joined. And because I joined, this is where I am now. And I could talk about how in the first couple of months, I got eight promotions and started making a couple of thousand dollars. See, you start, and, then, and what are my goals? To become a director and build seven to 10 directors and become totally financially independent. And why do I believe I can do that? Let me tell you about my upline. And I tell the story of my director or the story of Juliet St. John, who's a director that built seven to 10 directors and is totally financially independent. 
and all the things she's been able to do for her mom and her kids and community and investments and, and travel the world. Let me tell you about this company and why this company is so special. And then tell the founder's story. Tell the story of how the company got started. See, if you get your story and your upline story and the company story down, and if that's the first thing you tell everyone after they become a junior executive, when you sit down and do the go meeting, they'll see themselves in your story and they'll start to think of their story. You could become a master recruiter just by telling a story you can't forget because it's yours. Just organize it so you tell the parts that are necessary and not all the other parts and get off in a tangent about when you were three and the dog bit you. Talk about where you were in your life that led you to take a look at something that got you to join and how has joining changed your life and now what are your goals and here's the people you're following that makes you believe you could hit those goals and here's a company that you believe in that will support you every step of the way. And immediately they go, well, this is where I am in life. And I guess I joined for this reason. And now you can go in, so what do you want to achieve? Where do you want to go? And my uplines, my mentors will become your uplines and your mentors and you'll be a part of this great company. See guys, it's, it's, it's not that difficult. It really isn't. If you master those simple techniques and you become great at telling your story, and if you focus on prospecting and then help people go through the system that'll get them to recruit and upgrade, you can build a huge business really fast. You just got to remember you have two jobs. You got to have a recruit to recruit mentality. And in that mentality, your objective is to go wide, meaning recruit as many people personally as you can, and then go deep, meaning help them get as many people as they can. That's your two jobs. Wide, deep. How many people direct? How many people do I help those directs get in their war markets, in their people's war markets, in their people's people's war markets? And every third or fourth generation of war markets, you'll find a new director pop up. And before you know it, you've built a business that sustains itself without you. And now you've got the money and the time freedom to go enjoy the world. And that is our goal, to enjoy the world. Thank you for joining me on Winners Win. See you at the top, the tip top, the absolute very top. Next time, Winners Win. 